what do I want to say, like a, a, a consolation prize where it's like, yeah, we'll say everyone's a headliner, but some people have to play at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Right. Um, but no, this True to the Heart is, I mean, both those artists have uh, more than enough success under their belt to go out there and do this by themselves. I don't know. I know it's I know it's been told to us like a million times, like, yo, it's a co-headliner, co-headliner, co-headliner. Um, but I would assume there's probably, they probably do some weeks on, you know, that's weeks. what I would think. I know when Kiss and Motley went out on the road, they did legs of it, where it's like right. this leg, Motley's going to headline, and then this leg, Kiss will headline, and they kind of did legs of it. It's just like, dude, if you're Rob Zombie, like, that's a little bit of a slap in the face, right? I mean, he was definitely, I mean, do I have my timeline right? I mean, he was a headliner before Marilyn Manson was, right? Headliner before him, but I mean, I, I guess I don't, I don't know what either one's like, you know, all-time record sales or anything, but to me, I bet you, and I bet you to Rob Zombie. Zombie feels like the bigger artist. I'd agree to me, but like, I bet you he would agree that like, dude, you know what? I'm, I'm 55 years old and I want to be done earlier, so you know what? Yeah. I'll play first. Yes. I don't care, bro. Yes. Like, sure, Marilyn Manson, you go, you go out there at 930. I, I don't care. I have definitely dealt with shows at the Agora where guys have said that. Like, dude, I'm going on 60. Like, I don't want to be up there at 1130 at night. Right. Like, I don't. Like, right. dude, just get me in and out of here. I'm sure 20 years ago, that would have been <clears> like, oh my gosh, who's it going to be? And then now it's probably just like, no, dude, I want to go first. I'm, I'm getting paid. Just right. here's right. Foxy Foxy. Now write the, <laughs> write the right. goddamn Connor, check. Get 65. Here we go. And just write right. the check. Yeah. Yeah. I could absolutely see that. Um, For those people that listen to this show and maybe some other radio shows that are big fans of drama. Yeah. Um and and awkwardness. You're about to get a bunch of it right now. Okay. I think things are about to get awkward between you and I. Okay. I did not expect that. Okay. <laughs> what, um, what's going on? Something happened over the weekend, and um, you did something to me. And I don't know if you did it on purpose, okay. but even if you didn't, it hurt my feelings. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> okay, what what happened? But there? but something went down between the two of us over the weekend, and you're sitting there thinking, well, we didn't even discuss anything over the weekend. No, I don't even think we had like a social media interaction. Like none, none, no. Okay, no. <laughs> so I would love to know what. what no, this of- was a per- this was so. You don't know what I'm talking about. I have zero clue what you're about to hit me with. You dude. really don't know what I I'm talking do, about. I do not know what you're going to hit me with here. All right. So Saturday there was a March for Our Lives anti-gun in school rally that was happening down on Market Square. Right. Okay. So I was like, okay, well, we just talked about it on the show. People got all upset over even the fact that we even mentioned it. Yeah. So I was like, dude, this would be crazy not to go to this. Right. So I was like, all right. So I know it started at noon, but I was like, dude, I've been to protests in downtown Canton before. It's like, dude, give it a few minutes and let it get built before you go down there right Right. and so they're doing it right down on market square and i work out at the eric snow which is like right down i mean you could walk to it so i was like all right well i'll just go before i go to the gym check this out and then i'll go to the gym yeah i mean downtown canton is very walkable but certainly like that's right outside of where you'd be okay just right down third there and you could walk you know right where you need to go okay and so I start, you know, there's a bunch of one ways over there. So I have to go like down market, then left on fourth, up to McKinley and turn left, right. which is where our interaction comes into play. Okay. So I, now this is before I have gone to said rally. I'm parking my car in the parking lot of the Eric Snow. That's my plan. And then I'm going to walk to the rally, then walk back to the gym. Okay. And so I get to McKinley and I get to the light. Or actually, I'm coming up to the light, and I see you in the lane next to me. And so I was like, all right, we'll move over in the left lane, and we'll pull up at the stoplight together. And obviously, he and his girlfriend are going to this rally right now. We'll just walk up together. So you see me driving. Okay. Okay. So we get to the light at McKinley, 
and I turn and stare into your car window, okay, waiting for that moment in life where people go, oh, hey, look at that, look, I didn't know you. You turn your head, look directly into my car window, <laughs> we look directly at one another, you turn your head, light turns green, and you speed off. Ghosted me in person. What? Dude, I, I swear to God, I do not know what you're talking about. This is how I know it was you. You had those goofy, like, Ray-Ban knockoff sunglasses oh, yeah, on. 100%. You had those on, right? right? Yeah. And okay. your girlfriend was riding shotgun the Sounds way she right. always is. And I was like, holy crap. I just got completely ghosted in person. <laughs> I just got big time. I just got big timed by Matt Fantone at a goddamn stoplight. Like, so, dude, like, there was part of me who was like, well, maybe he didn't see you. I was like, dude, he looked right into the car. Like, even if you look next door, you'd be like, oh, wow, that is a silver Honda Accord. Sansbury's got one of those. I wonder if that's him. Like, you would think it would be like, even like that, nothing. I do. I swear to God, bro. I swear to God. I, I even thought I saw you whisper to Megan, like, dude, that's Sansbury, but don't look over. <laughs> Like I thought, I thought like, he's gonna want to have lunch with us. You know him in food. Now, at the end of the day, dude, I will make room for the fact that I'm often oblivious in life. I feel like sometimes I'm situationally aware. Other times, I will just be like a human. Sure, and, yeah. And 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 uh, and I, dude, I swear to you, like, I mean, why wouldn't I have said hello to you? Are you? Sh- I mean, I don't. That's wanna, what I want to know. I don't, don't want to say, are you sure it was me? Because I was in downtown Canton at that point. Because what we had done is we got there a little bit early, and we. Weren't like planning on sticking around. I know that thing was supposed to last till three, and I'm like, good God, are we not staying till three o'clock? And we probably left there at like 12.15, 12.20. Yeah, and I was going, I wanted to get there up. around 12.30 was my plan. I wanted it to be underway before I walked up. Okay. And so, like, that's what was happening. You were leaving, I was arriving, and I was just like, dude, I can't believe what has happened right now. <laughs> Buddy, I'm sorry. I did not mean to big time you, dude. Nobody big time stands. I got out of the car, and then I walk up there, and I was like, okay, he must be looking for a place to park because you're not allowed to park in that parking lot. Right. So I was like, all right, I have a parking pass for it. I was like, all right, so like he's probably looking for a place to park. So then I'm walking around the goddamn rally, and I'm like, well, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And then you're nowhere to be found. I was like, no, he saw you. If he wanted to hang out with you, he would have texted you, so I'm not texting him. I thought for sure that's what was no, going on. No, that is not what was going on at all. I mean, at the end of the day, what would I, I mean? I, would, I don't know, no, Phantom. No you're a total dick, so I was like, maybe this is just him being a total dick. I didn't understand it. I was perplexed. And, dude, I worked out hard because I was, like, thinking about punching you in the face. Yeah, I was like, I'm just going to strangle Fantone, and I'm going to do it by lifting this heavy weight. I'm sorry, buddy. I am. I did, I did not know. So I did go to the March for Our Lives rally downtown Canton. Right. I did take some photos of it. You can see them at Facebook.com slash Stansbury Show. And, yes, there is a woman carrying a sign that says, we armed the teachers at Hogwarts, and look how that turned. You know, that whole thing. Yes, you can take. There were some signs there on Saturday that were obnoxious, that were like, okay, well, this is going wildly in the other direction, and it doesn't really do the best job of selling your point, okay? But there were a lot of people there. There were a lot of people. For downtown Canton, that was a lot of people. However, what I will say is, is it did not come off super organized. It came off like a bunch of people standing in a field together that think the same way about something, but it did not feel like we have a serious mission in mind, and we're going to execute this this way. It was a woman playing acoustic guitar and a bunch of people standing around having conversations saying, I can't believe we haven't done anything about this yet. It was not super, and I'm not knocking it for that reason. I'm just saying, it. you didn't go there feeling like, oh, okay, we're moving the needle here. I, I mean, obviously That's this, not the way it felt. This was a, a national thing, so I wonder if in different places there was a different oh, feel to that. Oh, in D.C., it definitely, when you see the photos of that, it's like, oh, okay, well, like, dude, those numbers you can't look away from. Maybe felt overtly organized in D.C. where it was like, okay, this is no longer an organic thing 
everything that students are doing. And that's a part of the reason why I necessarily wasn't, what do I want to say here, like turned off by the disorganized fashion of it is because it's like, well, these are 17-year-old kids and I don't necessarily expect them. I, my, problem is once, my problem is once adults started getting up on stage and started kind of taking taking ownership of it, that's when I left. That's when I was like, you know what, this, this isn't what I came here for. Like what I came here for was to hear students, their opinions, what they think about this. Once adults kind of took over, I felt like, all right, that's. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see a ton of that, um, but I definitely, I mean, I talked to some people in the crowd and obviously, you know, I, and, but I didn't, I was going to record some videos and I was like, now why? Dude, this is a very serious thing. These people feel that strongly about it that they're taking their Saturday out of their day and doing it. Don't exploit it. Like, you got to show people it, but you don't necessarily have to, like, exploit it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you want it documented you, and you want to be able to, and the, the thing is, I mean, obviously the repository there and there was plenty of organizations there that were covering stories like this. Um, I, uh, I, 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 I think I kind of disagree with you on the point of, of Hogwarts, that sign. And that kind of got caught some attention. I felt like throughout, you know, maybe like the national, well, the woman copied a national sign. That's what she did. Yeah. There was a woman in DC with the sign. And then this woman copied said sign. I, um, cause I looked at the photos online of people talking about that sign. I was like, well, that's not Canton. I'm the guy that took that photo. And that's definitely not my photo. I I stood right behind her. Yes. Or whatever was that Saturday. I'm sorry. Me and my girlfriend stood right behind her. And I said to my girlfriend, I was like, you know what? It's stuff like that. You're discrediting your your point, you're, you're, you're not doing a good job supporting your cause. And I was like, you know, that I think something like that's a problem. Not two seconds later, I heard somebody like walk up to, you know, behind us and say like, oh my gosh, you see that Hogwarts sign? Ha ha ha. So I guess it's just like, I mean, your perspective is obviously going to change things there and how you feel about things. But like, it's very interesting to see how different things are received differently by people who yeah, but, have this. Yeah, but that person thought it was funny. Well, I guess like, that's like, not good. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm. Okay, all right. Point. I was going to say, ex- yeah, th- that's not good. That's exactly okay. my point. Is all right. That, is so that, we're on the same side of that. You're discrediting what you're saying okay, by, by holding right. up a child. I misunderstood like you. Yeah. Okay, no, we're good because we're on the same side. Where I was when I saw that, I was like, that's why. Honestly, there is that is one of the reasons why I took a photo of that woman and posted it is because like I think this hurts you. I think it's going in the opposite direction of what you actually want. We're obviously going to talk about this a lot today. I mean, you know, the, there was a huge march in D.C. There's a couple of other things. People are all mad about, is her name Emily Gonzalez? Do I have her, mm-hmm. her name right? And I will admit, she is one of the most annoying people in the world. And that, founds, that sounds very strange coming out of my mouth as I'm talking about a teenager. But her and David Hogue both are honestly insufferable. Like, I, I honestly, both of them are just kind of obnoxious to me. But that's who gets, dude, the squeaky, dude, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. It's like, it's not going to be the kid that doesn't annoy you that, that gets the microphone. It's not going to be that kid. It's going to be the kid that's super annoying. Because the squeaky wheel gets the grease. That's how it works. And so it's like people are all upset. But it's like, and I saw this. Did people really think she ripped up the Constitution? Yeah. I mean, like the did. actual Constitution. Like people thought that they said, okay, here's the, because here's the thing. If, they, if somebody handed her a reprint of the Constitution and she ripped it, I'm not going to care about that. Um, if you're the kind of person who cares about like disrespecting the flag, wouldn't you care about that same the same symbolism there? I care about disrespecting the flag, and for some reason, dude, if you were to take a reprint of the Constitution and rip it in half, I don't care about that at all. Burn the flag, mad. Burn the Constitution. No, no. For some reason, I don't know, and that's probably wow. a me thing. Wow. That's probably a me thing. I would also say that there's I and for here's what's crazy. I will use the same argument against the flag burning wow. that I will use for the Constitution. Wow. My First Amendment right gives me the right to burn the Constitution. Wow. Right. 
And then so like I know I feel that's so maybe you, a me wait, thing. Wait, I was gonna say you're just moving that line. No, like, it's a me thing. Okay, for sure, that's a me thing. I don't know why. I have no idea why I feel like burning the flag. No, but if you rip, if you, but again, but it, but you know why? Because a flag is a flag. Where it's like, dude, if you rip the actual constitution or burn the actual constitution, then I'm gonna I'm gonna be upraged or outraged. But upraged, Jesus, I'm creating stuff. I, I would be outraged. However, if it's just a, if it's a reprint. Aren't all flags a reprint of the original? I knew that was going to be the argument, but but yes, but it's still in it's still in essence a flag. You know what I mean? It's still is in the Constitution, regardless whether it's printed on on parchment or it's printed into a you know into a small book for you to carry with you. It's still the Constitution. Would it still be the same? All right, so the Constitution is routinely printed in an eighth grade school book. So if I rip that page out of there, am I doing? Is that the same thing? If you're ripping, if if you're ripping up, a, uh, and she did not do this, by no, the way, no, she did not. She did not do this. It was what? But, it was a target, right? But if if you're using it as the symbolism, I don't care what it's printed on. I don't care what it is. The point remains the same to me. It's like you're you you're using that as a representative a representation of whatever you're trying to destroy, whatever you're trying to. Yeah, no, it is. I I don't like. I said I don't. This is a me thing. Like I'm moving this line in a weird way and I probably shouldn't be but for me that symbolism is different I don't know why and I can't even give you the reason as to why it is different for me but I, when I saw that I was like well first of all I'm not dumb enough to think somebody actually gave her the goddamn constitution and let her rip it like that like I'm not dumb enough to think that that actually happened like the amount of people that I did see on Twitter and Facebook that fell for that though where it was like guys really this is what you thought happened you thought they cracked that case open in the middle of DC said here here's our original copy of this rip it like that like I honestly like the people like she rich rip the actual constitution and I couldn't believe the amount of people that thought that. And I was like, and dude, see, we think Cambridge Analytica is the problem on Facebook. No, we are the problem on Facebook, not Cambridge Analytica. We'll give you more Sansbury Show next on Rock 106. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sansbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Online for you, WRQK.com. Have another $1,000 to pass out at 7 o'clock. And actually, at 7 o'clock, you're going to hear about a guy who has grown up with more money than God. And we believe here at the Stansbury Show that has what is led to what he has done. Okay. He is the heir to one of the country's biggest companies. One of them. I mean, this family's pretty big. But he's one of the heirs to like one of the country's biggest companies. And they're behind products that a lot of you use every day. And all of us have used at least once. And this guy did something that I can't believe. So we'll examine at 7 o'clock. I always get so pissed off at my dad. Like, Dad, why am I not an heir to anything? I'm an heir to nothing. Way to aim for the middle, Dad. Yeah, son son of a bitch. Way to go. Way to go. (laughs) Yeah. No, I know. I know. I was like that with my dad my whole life. Like, dude, can't you just sell out and, and be one of these goddamn preachers on TV? Something. Like, dude, yeah, you're both reading from the same book. That dude's got a Mercedes, though, Dad. So, like, you know what I mean? Maybe step your game up. He didn't like when I did that. No, I wouldn't assume so. No, he hated it. He was not a fan. This story available for you, Facebook.com slash Stansbury Show. Or former Cleveland Indians baseball player Albert Bell now arrested in Arizona. This was over the weekend. Multiple charges here, including indecent exposure, driving under the influence, and according to the police records, Bell was booked on Sunday. This would have been the 25th yesterday. And Albert Joey Bell has been charged with two counts of indecent exposure. 
One for each testicle, I'm guessing. One count of DUI liquor, drugs, vapor combo. Oof. And one count of DUI with a BAC blood alcohol content of .08 or more, meaning he was right about the legal limit or more. So the other count, DUI, liquor, drugs, vapor combo, is he must have had like a vape pen, right? I don't know what that is. He had to have a vape pen. They're calling it drugs, vapor combo. My guess is that's a vapor pen. Okay. And just so people listening know, you can have a vape pen that's uh, nicotine, but you can also have one that's marijuana. Right. So like... You can actually get them now that's a little bit of both. A little combo. A little combo there. Bell, now 51, played eight seasons with your tribe, hit 242 home runs while playing with them. He was great back in the day. Phenomenal. Yeah. I know people are going to be like, the cork bat. I know. He was still pretty great. I remember after that when he ended up going and he pulled like the real bat, hit one out, and he ends up. I remember he's like kind of flexed and like kind of pointed to his his bicep. They right. were uh, that was like the big iconic moment for him. <laughs> bicep created by steroids, but right. nonetheless, fine. Exactly. Um, you see that picture of him, and obviously nobody looks good after a DUI arrest. It's not like a uh, it's 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 not a glamour shot for anybody, but you can just see like the. Puffed out, depressed, like, I used to be on steroids, and now I'm an alcoholic, yep. like, b- deflated balloon look to him. Well, I mean, this isn't the first time. I mean, he's had a problem with alcohol, right? Like, didn't he get drunk and r- he tried to run somebody over with his car? Middle schoolers. Talk- yeah! Talking about, talk- you know, I mean, like, uh, things getting bad there. I mean, th- we're talking, I think it was that's kids right. egged his house on Halloween yeah, or something? Yeah, it was Halloween pranks yeah. gone sideways, yeah. right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. He was great, man, and those teams were great, and that felt like unfinished business, that Tribe team that didn't win a World Series. Like, that did really feel like we missed the boat there, because, man, they were good. I uh, I mean, we're coming close to the beginning of, of the season. I would have to it's assume. next week, right? I was going to say, probably a week away, if not I think it's less next than. next week, yeah. Um, and you want to talk about unfinished business. I mean, this team definitely feels like it has it. And honestly, there's probably a little bit of a closing window right now where oh, yeah. it just feels the magic of two years ago got let out quickly last year. And it's like, man, if they don't recapture that, it almost feels like that whole run was for naught. That is true. They are kind of on the cusp of another one of those. I'm, I don't know. I guess I, I don't. I'm not a baseball expert, so I don't really know. But I would be interested to hear what baseball purists think about the lineups side by side. Like which team was actually better? Opening day this week, the 29th. Yeah, I was gonna say in a Seattle. New soon. Yeah. yeah, in Seattle. So that's Thurs- when we're starting Thursday this week. All right, we'll talk to Scott from WaitingForNextYear.com. Get a look at your Indians as again start of the season this week. Also, it turns out that the economy for 700,000 people in this country wasn't all that bad over the last few years. I'll explain what I'm talking about. That's next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. I have got to get in on this. Rock 106.9. Yo, guys. Fantone from The Stansberry Show inviting you out Saturday, March 31st. It is all going down. I am talking about Honor Fighting Championship presenting Operation Shockwave. That's right. The fastest growing MMA promotion in America makes its return at the Chaparral's Event Center located at 2418 South Arlington Road in Akron. Tickets are available to you at fighterticks.com. And listen, if you have not been to an Honor Fighting Championship event yet, dude, this is the one to be at. There's going to be hard-hitting action. Of course, the beautiful Honor Girls, and they will get you hooked up. 
Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We'll get you hooked up with that $1,000 7 o'clock. Also, you're going to get to hear about an heir to a major corporation, one that you'd probably like a lot, did something terrible. I mean, terrible. And I can't even, like, get my head wrapped around on how it happened. Like, I just, I can't wait to get into that. It's because you're poor, dude. That's why. Is that like, why? Dude, you don't get that kind of money. You don't know what it's like. You're right. That might have something to do with it. Phantom may have hit it on the head there. We'll find out together as a class at 7 o'clock. I don't want to get too gross here, but, dude, I thought I was about to have an Elvis situation Uh-oh. during the break there. Okay. Your boy had to push a little hard in the bathroom. <laughs> like, okay. Where I was here like, oh, go. my God, dude, is my heart going to give out while I'm trying to do this right now? I felt like I may, may have been a little uh, little constipated there, maybe or not. I mean, we made it through it, but it was just like, geez. Felt like the chest getting tight and all that. <laughs> it's like, God damn it, dude, if I die on the toilet at Rock 106.9, nothing worse than that. No, that'd be a crappy way to go. Buddy. It would not be the best way to go. No. No. That would be the next national contest. Text it now with Stansbury's hoodie. <laughs> We constantly hear about the economy not being great, which, by the way, if the economy's bad for you, you can win yourself $1,000, this morning. Yeah. But we, we, we always hear this, right? The economy's terrible, right? And then, you know, then you'll turn on another news report or read another article, and they're like, nah, the economy's fine. And so you kind of know, it's like, all right, well, obviously people have a reason behind why they're telling you what they're telling you. It's because it will help fit their, you know, next story or maybe a story they told you the day before or whatever. But apparently the number of millionaire households in this country jumped. All right. If I said to you, Fantone, the U.S. added X amount of millionaire households last year, what do you think that number would be? How many did we add last year? How many were added? Not not how many are there. It's how many were added into the already existing group so, of millionaires. Right. The number of millionaire households in the U.S. jumped by more than this number. Um, I'm going to assume that it's probably, I'm going to say under under the thousands, somewhere in the hundreds. I'm going to say 500 additional, 700, somewhere in there. Okay. The number of millionaire households in the U.S. jumped by more than 700,000 wow. last year. Wow. Now, they're saying that's because of surging stock prices. We did. We saw the stock market a lot of this last year kind of like, you know, uh, rise pretty big. And they say the housing values are also part of this. Okay. All right. So the U.S. now has more than 11 million millionaire households. It's up more than 6% from 2016. The number of new millionaires and the total population of millionaires are now setting records. They define millionaire households as those with at least one million in investable assets, not including primary residence. Okay, so your house then doesn't even count. Wouldn't towards count it. towards this. If you have a second home, third home, or if you're doing those kinds of things, buying okay. homes and renting them out, those would count. They say it was the it was the equity markets that really pulled these folks up. That's George Walper. He's the president of the Spectrum Group who looked into this. This is a group that has most equity holdings, so the biggest change is at the high end. And the S&P 500 did gain 19% this last year, and the Dow was up about 25%. So since the financial crisis, the number of millionaire households has nearly doubled. This being obviously back in 2009, there were under 6 million millionaire households, and it's grown every year since, and it's now well past the the level of 9 million. Like I said, it's 11 million households are now millionaires. The richer multimillionaires have done the best since they have the largest share of stocks relative to their overall wealth. So 
we have some numbers inside of rich people here. The number of households, Fantone, worth $5 million to $25 million, so between five and $25 million, grew by 84000 They're just under 1.4 million households have that much money. The number of households worth more than 25 million jumped by 10%, increasing by 16,000 to a total of there are 172,000 households in America that have $25 million in investable assets, not including their home. Wow. Now I read this and I, I don't know. Shock's not the right word. I understand there are rich people out there. And there are people who have been doing well even in a bad economy. As a matter of fact, there are certain jobs where if the economy is, the, is worse for you and I, they're going to make more money. There are, there are predatory type things out there and, and jobs and things that where people are going to do well in a down economy. Especially, they say rich people actually make more money during a down economy. Because when things are down, what do they do? They buy. Because they have the money. So what they do is buy when the prices are low on houses and buildings and commercial real estate and that kind of thing. And then when the market goes back up, what do they do? They sell. Rich people actually make all their money. Well, not all of it, but they make a a large portion of their money in a down economy. But it's like stories like this. I read this and I'm like, dude, I'm a loser. How did, could we, we could add 700,000 millionaires last year and I couldn't find a way to be one of them? Isn't, I mean, when we look at a, at a country, you know, with, you know, th- 300 plus million people in it, um, now don't get me wrong. I mean, obviously that's a thing to be, you know, celebrated and obviously you want more people making more money. Um, but isn't this just an example of the rich getting richer the, and the yes. poor getting poorer? Yeah, which has always been the case and will always be the case. It's just the way it is. It's the, it's the way it always is going to be. And part of the reason why is what I just explained to you is because rich people have the money to make it through lean times. But again, and I, no, like, but, I, but I'm not upset by that. Is that if you have money, you should be opportunistic in lean times. You should be opportunistic on people who did not prepare themselves properly. You should. That's how you became you and the rest of those people had to stay them. I think a lot of people are going to point to this and say, like, well, it's not so much that these people are are doing better; it's that the that the the cards are dealt in their in their favor. It's not it's it's an uneven playing field that we're working on here. So it's not so much a celebration of like, hey, the economy has really accomplished something, or like things are getting better. It's that you know, well, the S P, you know, the S and P and the Dow are, are indicators of that, though. And so these those two things going hand to hand are indicators of that. And the and you're not wrong. People are going to say that. But the problem is, dude, is that I think a lot of that stuff is rhetoric that they're told and people like to repeat it out loud because it makes you feel better about not having any money. It's 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 much easier to say, I don't have money because some rich dude screwed me over versus I don't have money because I didn't prepare properly or because I didn't do the right things in my life to acquire said wealth. We're Again, this is what I'm always talking about with the human being. You will look to self-victimize every last chance you get. It's always going to be somebody else's fault and not your responsibility and why you don't have the things that you have. But overall, dude, we added 700,000 millionaires over the last two years. Ultimately, I think that that's pretty good. And that means that at least there are, there are opportunities out there if you have a little bit of money, that if you invest in the right things, that overall things are probably not as bad financially as sometimes we are told from that bad news box that you pay too much money to have in your living room every single month. That's probably where you're getting a lot of that rhetoric. You're shot at $1,000 plus, like I said, the heir to an American company did something crazy this last week, and we're going to examine that next on Rock 106. 106.9.
Welcome back to the Sands Ray Show. We're on Rock 106.9, online for WRQK.com. If you're a fan of uh, live music and seeing bands and that kind of thing, I saw a band over the weekend live that I uh, that I know I had worked their show once before, but I didn't get a chance to see it. I actually got cut early Saturday night. We had too many bartenders on staff. And so they asked some of us, like, is anybody willing to be cut? And I said, like, yeah, me, absolutely. I live an hour away. I'd love to go home. And so I decided to stay for some of the show, and I caught some of Nightwish's set. They were the only band playing. They came in, they did like a two-hour meet and greet, went on the stage, played two hours, and then went home. And they were really good. Like, really good. Got a female lead singer. They're a little anthemic. They're a little Slay the Dragon-ish. Okay. You know what I mean? Viking boat okay. metal, that kind of thing. Um, but they were damn good at it. Like, they were damn good at it. Yeah, I, I think I saw you post something about them over the weekend. Not a band that I'm familiar with. Nightwish? Nightwish. Okay. Um, they were on the road for a while with another band that's got a female lead singer that actually a listener of ours, Dwayne, made me hip to that I now really like called Cobra and the Lotus. And that band is actually, you know what? We may pull some Cobra and the Lotus for New Tour Tuesday tomorrow. Because that's how strong I felt about that band and their new record. And it's like, damn, dude, this record's really good. So we may pull that tomorrow for New Tour Tuesday. But check both those bands. All right. I have this story. I've been pimping it all morning. And it's because I can't wrap my head around it. Like, I don't know how this happened. And I'm a little nervous about this just because the only place I'm seeing this is from a website I don't trust all that much called the Daily Mail. And I don't trust them all that much because it is a total gossip rag. Yeah, I was going to say very close to the Inquirer. Not to say everything they've ever printed has been false, but not a, not, not a great been. reputation. All right. So they're claiming, and let's say it that way, um, that the heir to the Anheuser-Busch beer fortune has been accused of assault. William K. Billy Bush, 58, is the great-grandson of... Adolph Bush, he is charged with simple assault in an incident. Bush bloodied someone's nose, dragged him by the front of the shirt, and pinned him against a wall before a family member pulled him off. A family member of the victim. The Bush's family fortune has been estimated at around $13.5 billion. Wow. Now, that's between 30 of the living family members. God, how will they survive? <laughs> Fair you know, you know. I don't know what 30 billion divided by 30 is. I don't know. I, I, you know what I mean? Off the top of my head, I don't know that. I'm, not a, I, I'm not great at math in my head like that. A billion each? 30 billion? Well, 13 billion. 13 billion. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We could do that. I was going to say, dude, did he not think I was able to do 30? Yeah. No, that's uh, 700 million, essentially, if they're all getting equal shares. I mean, you're right, right under a billion dollars each you get there. That sounds good. The Beers Air lawyer denied the allegation, saying that his client was merely protecting the safety of someone else involved. Here's where the story takes a dramatic turn. 58 years old, Billy Bush is, and he beat up a sixth grade boy. This was during a youth basketball practice at his son's private Catholic school. The boy was 11 years old and was a student at his son's private Catholic school. He dragged the boy by a shirt, bloodied his nose, according to the police. Now I, I I googled this and other news outlets are reporting they are covering on this. It? Fox, okay. Fox News being one awesome. of them. Awesome. Bush's son was in line during basketball practice when he began to scuffle with another boy. You know how boys are. Boys will be boys, right? And so Bush, who is six feet and about two hundred pounds, one ninety five, charged over, grabbed the other boy, and he says, "You effer, what did you effing think you were effing doing to my effing kid?" Now, see, this is what's crazy 
is that if you were Billy Bush in America, a video of you saying that is enough to like take you down in today's society, let alone putting your hands on a sixth grade boy. You see what I'm saying? Like swearing at a kid as a billionaire is going to be enough on video for you to have to come off some of your money to pay to make this go away. Let alone, dude, put your hands on the kid. Surveillance video from the school shows Bush grabbing the boy, they say here, once more and forcing him backwards out of the gymnasium into a lobby. At this point, the boy then tries to take a swing at Bush in an effort to get away, which is what a normal human being reaction is going to be when somebody is physically moving you when you don't want them to. You were going to try to fight back then. People are going to try to say this kid, like, well, you hit him. It's like, well, I mean, dude, the kid's trying to protect himself, right? Mr. Bush pushed the boy into the wall at the base of a stairwell, resulting in the boy hitting the back of his head against the wall. At that time, the boy's nose began to bleed. Oh, buddy. The boy's father and basketball coach rushed in to intervene, and the coach ordered Bush out of the gym. Yikes. Now, they're saying the boy's family hesitant to press charges, fearing that Bush's stature would make him difficult to prosecute. Of course. Oh, see, I for me, isn't it just like the threat of this is it gonna is is gonna get you paid out? Um, how long is this, is 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 uh is 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 the Bush family gonna be willing to pay against it? You know what I mean? Because if you get caught up in legal battles with you know somebody who has four hundred million dollars right out of the gate, I I, I I that's not a legal battle. Even if you have a kid that's in private school with them, I mean, let's say you're doing well. Let's say you've got five million dollars. You don't have have Anheuser Busch money to go fight. You don't have those lawyers. No, you don't have that. Although, I mean, isn't a lot of this? I mean, it's being fought right now in the court of public opinion. Isn't it the, the, probably the better thing to be like, dude? Here's two hundred fifty thousand dollars and I'll shut up, right? For, are you saying for Anheuser Busch? Yeah, do? like if I'm if I'm the Bush family, don't I just pay and make it go away? I mean, yeah, you could you you, you could and you could make it go away. Um, but I understand why you're if you're sitting on the other side of that lawsuit, why you might say, dude, this is not even worth our time here. Well, if there's video of it, though, right? I mean, even I mean, even if the lawyers stall or whatever, if, you, if you've got video, eventually you're going to win. Bush told police over the phone that he'd seen the boy hit his son and told him to stop bullying, and then became he became a bit angry when the 11 year old boy mouthed off and took a swing at him. I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. Um, apparently, back in 1981, Billy Bush bit off another man's earlobe in a bar brawl that reportedly started over accusations of him of cheating in an arm wrestling match. Jesus, you can't make this stuff up. You can't. <laughs> yeah, like, what? like, dude, what the hell is Billy Bush arm wrestling okay. dudes in bars for? He was not charged when police said the other man started the fight. A year later, Bush beat an assault charge after allegedly punching a fast food worker in the throat through a drive through window. A judge found that prosecutors hadn't proved the worker was injured. Meaning, I have enough money to get myself Shut out you of off, this. Right, I dude. Okay, hey, you get into a bar fight in 1981. I'm not going to hold that against you for the rest of your life. But now we're talking bar fight. We're talking punching fast food employees. We're talking beating up sixth graders. Something's going on with this guy. I mean, he's 58 Aaron. now. 20 some years ago. Uh, all right, he was old enough not to get into a bar fight over arm wrestling in 1981. However, you're right. It's, you know, decades ago, yeah. God only knows we're all different people now. I mean, God knows I don't want to be held accountable for things I did 20 years ago. So yeah, I would have to apply that to Billy Bush as well. But we're seeing a pattern here, 
right? We're seeing a pattern with that, then punching the fast food worker, now punching an 11-year-old. Like, we're in multiple, you know, instance territory. Do you think, like, rich people, and when I say rich, I don't even mean rich, I mean wealthy, like, like the ultra-wealthy, where you have... Not just generational changing money, but like, I mean, 400, like I'm saying, like hundreds of millions of dollars. Okay. We're talking huge amounts of money. Do you think they're just like sitting around with each other, like comparing the effed up things they did and what they got away with? Like, yeah, dude, I dude, I just beat up a sixth grader. That's how much money I have. The other guy's like, well, that's not that much money. Because I just have to imagine those kind of conversations uh, are going down. At Thanksgiving dinner, is there a little like, thank, uh, we should be thankful Billy didn't go to jail for it? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I punched a Wendy's employee and got away with it. What did you do this year? Nothing. I can totally see that being the case, dude. Yeah, yeah, no, there's definitely a rundown. Oh, yeah, there. well, it's definitely talked about in the who's the biggest screw-up in the Bush family. Like, there's definitely going to be one of those, and I would hope Billy takes the cake. He punched, an, you know, an 11-year-old. Worth noting, this is not Billy Bush from the from the Trump tapes. No. This is Billy Bush from the Anheuser-Busch Yeah, family. no, completely different spelling. Billy Bush from, yeah. the, uh, from you know, a current affair or whatever he was on is B-U-S-H. This is B-U-S-C-H. Still, what a beating that name's taking, dude. If you're Billy Bush and you're neither of those dudes and it's oh. like son of a bitch man i'm oh. just sitting around here trying to work like. just getting clobbered <laughs> now here's the thing we are going to give you a thousand dollars right now this is not not punch little kid money <laughs> you cannot get away with punching an 11 year old with a thousand dollars but you're more rich now than you were a couple of minutes ago 106.9 welcome back to the stands Red show we're on 810 Another shot at $1,000. And also 9.30 this morning, we'll get you hooked up with those Manson zombie tickets. Nice. Yeah, that show will be good. July 17th out of Blossom. That'll that be will be good. good. Yeah, yeah, that'll be real good. good channel right there. Yeah, I'll probably go to that one. I like both those guys a lot. All right. Um, so Stormy Daniels was on TV. She's the former uh, porn star, and I think even still current, maybe porn star. Um, I, th- I mean, she's still out there touring strip clubs, so I don't know if she's still making films. But she's, she's gonna film. Yeah, she's living that life right What's now. What's gonna happen there is she doesn't have to film right now because everybody's bending over backwards to, right. to, to pay her to come to strip clubs. Sooner or later, one of those studios is going to offer her the right amount of money and she's going to be back doing films. I still think with her doing the strip club tour right now, man, oh man, I'd be nervous. I'd be nervous of some sort of security threat like somebody's coming for me. I mean, it's not a crazy thought. I mean, you get right up next to those girls Mm -hmm. when they're in those clubs. Like, the whole thing is, is like for you to take a picture with them when they're done. Right. And they normally, they charge for it like an autograph, but... (laughs) Charge for everything, dude. They're porn stars, yeah. Exactly right. But like, you're right in the sense that it's like, well, people will be like, well, there's security. It's like, dude, you get a big, strong dude. He can do a lot of damage to her just by grabbing her by the hair, smacking her head into the wall. And then, yeah, you arrest him, but he still got to her. You're right on that. And that, dude, there's a lot of people who are going to be furious with her over this. And she should be thinking about that. But was she? On, was it 60 Minutes? Yes, it was. Okay. And the interviewer is Anderson Cooper, right? Correct. So this is like a cross-network thing, right? Because I think 60 Minutes is normally a CBS product, is it not? I yeah, believe. and so he's a CNN anchor. I don't know why that all. I don't. I don't know. That's what a, that, That's very strange. I don't to know me. what that is. So we have multiple clips here. Um, we've picked a pretty decent order, I think. She talks about Trump being spanked by her, and we have that. Let's take a listen. How was the conversation? Um, <laughs> it started off uh, all about him, just talking about himself, sure. and he's like, uh, "Have you seen my new magazine?" 
he was showing you his own picture on the cover of the right, magazine. Right. And so I was like, does this, does this normally work for you? Yes. And he looked very taken, taken back. Like, he didn't really understand what I was saying. Like, does this, you know, talking about yourself normally work? And I was like, someone should take that magazine and spank you with it. And I'll never forget the look on his face. And he was what, like, what was the look? Just, I don't think anyone's ever spoken to him like that. Especially, you know, a young woman who looked like me. And I said, you know, give me that. And he, I just remember him going, you wouldn't. Hand it over. And uh, so he did. And I was like, turn around, drop him. You told Donald Trump to turn around and take off his pants? Yes. And did he? Yes. So he turned around and pulled his pants down a little. And, you know, he had underwear on and stuff. And, and I just gave him a couple swats. This was done in a joking manner. Yes. And uh, from that moment on, he was a completely different person. How so? He quit talking about himself, and he asked me things, and I asked him things, and it just became, like, you know, a more appropriate. Became more comfortable. <laughs> yeah. He's like, wow, you, you are special. You remind me of my daughter. You know, uh, he's like, you're smart, beautiful, and a woman to be reckoned with. I like you. I like you. All right. I uh, I remember when the news broke about him being spanked with the magazine and he's on the cover of the magazine. I remember saying, it's not that weird. Like, it's not that weird. It's one of those things, man, where it's like, dude, a guy, dude, your entire, like, self-esteem is based around your prowess as a sex machine. And so, like, I, and... There's something about it where it's like, dude, the more you can get you involved in it, the more you feel like what you're doing is okay. Well, and it's not like he like, it's not like he went to like a a woman and requested that specifically of like, yo, get a get a magazine with my face on no, it, and it start spanking me with it. Yeah. So like, I, yes, I'm going to agree with you that it's not like that. Oh my god, and I I totally buy into it in the story that she told and how that was the thing that kind of broke the ice and made things like yes, like I totally very buy, buy those details. Very 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 believable. And I had told this before, like you know, obviously when you're on the radio, sometimes. You're live, and sometimes you have been taped prior, and then it airs later. I've had sex while listening to myself on the radio. I have, I've had that. I've done that. I've had girlfriends who are like, I bet you want to do that, huh? And it's like, yeah, I do kind of want to do that. I don't know why, but for some reason, I was like, all right, not everybody gets to try this. Much like not everybody gets to get spanked with a magazine that's got their face on the cover. So it's like, there's also part of that where it's like, dude, I get to do this, and not everybody else does. That makes you want to do it. She goes into like what sex with like Donald Trump was like. We have that. I asked him if I could use his restroom, and he said yes. You know, it's through the, you know, through the bedroom. You'll see it. So I, I excused myself, and I went to the, the restroom. You know, I was in there for a little bit and came out, and he was sitting, you know, on the edge of the bed when I walked out. Perched. And when you saw that, what went through your mind? Uh, I realized exactly what I'd gotten myself into. And I was like, ugh. Here we go. <laughs> and I just felt like maybe... Uh, it was sort of, I had it coming for making a bad decision for going to someone's room alone. And I just heard the voice and I, well, you put yourself in a bad situation and bad things happen. So you deserve this. Wow. That's how she and felt you about had sex with him. Yes. Wow. You were 27. He was 60. Were you physically attracted to him? No. Not at all? No. Did you want to have sex with him? No. But I didn't, I didn't say no. I'm not a victim. I'm not... It was yeah. entirely consensual. Oh, yes. Yes. You work in an industry where condom use is, a, is an issue. Did, did he use a condom? No. 
Did you ask him to? No. I honestly didn't say anything. After you had sex, what happened? He said that it was great. He had a, a great evening, and it was nothing like he expected, that I really surprised him, that a lot of people must underestimate me, uh, that he hoped that I would be willing to see him again and that we would discuss the things that we had talked about earlier in the evening. Being on The Apprentice. Right. So he used the premise of getting her on TV to get her in bed. Yeah. Which is what every powerful man in the history of the world has done. I um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I guess I don't necessarily expect porn stars to be different than other people. But like, just getting raw dogged by like a dude who's in that situation. It's not like this is Stormy Daniels' husband and they're having unprotected right. sex. This is a dude that obviously is having sex, you know, with other women, with other... And to be a porn star and just be like, yeah, no, you don't have to wear a condom. Like, man, man, like, what what, what you always hear about is like, ah, oh, they get tested all the time. Everything's safe. Like, man, that does not that does not bode well for that industry. I know, I know three women in porn that are still filming today. I'm not going to tell you their names, but you have seen them on Pornhub's first page. They, I'm talking big porn stars who tell me routinely that in their private life will not wear condoms because of how much condom use is happening on set. And so, like, dude, they say they are wildly more adventurous in their real life than they are on set. And that they feel because they are tested so heavily on set that they feel like, man, all right, I'll probably be up yeah, but 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 the, the the billionaire you're having sex with, you know what I mean? Right. Like, man, I, that that's just not a good look for the porn industry. Really not. I agree. We uh we have her talking about how she had felt threats over 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 uh, telling the story. I was in a parking lot, going to a fitness class with my infant daughter. I was taking you know the seats facing backwards in the back seat, diaper bag, you know, getting all the stuff out, and a guy walked up on me and said to me, leave Trump alone, forget the story. And then he leaned around and looked at my daughter and said, a, a beautiful little girl, it'd be a shame if something happened to her mom. And then he was gone. Wow. You took it as a direct threat. Absolutely. I was rattled. I remember going into the workout class and my hands were shaking so much I was afraid I was going to drop her. Did you ever see the person again? No. But I, if I did, I would know it right away. I'll you'd never able, forget. You'd be able to recognize that person? 100%. Even now. All these years later, if he walked in the store right now, I would instantly know. Did you go to the So she was not paid for sex, right? She was paid not to tell the story. Yes, as far as the $130,000 go. Now, I, from what I, I... Because she's saying this was all the years ago where the threat came from. 2011 is where that threat happened. Okay. 2011. Okay. I have her... Her original denial of the story. She's t- talking about why she denied the story initially. We have that. Who signed and released uh, a statement that said, I'm not denying this affair because I was paid in hush money. I'm denying it because it never happened. That's a lie. Yes. If it was untruthful, why did you sign it? Because they made it sound like I had no choice. I mean, no one was putting a gun to your head. Not physical violence, no. You thought that there would be some sort of legal repercussion if you didn't sign it. Correct. As a matter of fact, the exact sentence you used was, they can make your life hell in many different ways. They being? I'm not exactly sure who they were. I believe it to be Michael Cohen. That being the lawyer. Yeah. Of the brother. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the tactic people will use. I mean, I know even police, when they're trying to get you to 
you know, uh, cop to a crime. They'll start to tell you how they can prosecute you for things that technically they cannot do, but you're dumb and they have you in a room. And so next thing you know, you're scared and you just start agreeing to things that you shouldn't. It happens to people. I don't know if I buy it, but it does happen to people. We have one more clip with, with, with Stormy Daniels, right? This is, uh, this is about why she decided to come forward. Sitting here talking to me today, you could be fined a million dollars. I mean, aren't you taking a big risk? I am. I guess I'm not 100% sure on why you're doing this. Because it was very important to me to be able to defend myself. Is part of talking wanting to set the record straight? 100%. Why does the record need to be set straight? Um, because people are just saying whatever they wanted to say about me. I was perfectly fine saying nothing at all. But I'm not okay with being made out to be a liar or people thinking that I did this for money. And people are like, oh, you're an opportunist. You're taking advantage of this. Yes, I'm getting more job offers now. But tell me one person who would turn down a job offer making more than they've been making, doing the same thing that they've always done. Uh, I will apologize. I I've personally I think the best piece of audio we don't have for you, which is where she starts to talk about how after, I guess, having sex with her, he then says he she reminds him of his daughter, which is super creepy. And I'm sorry, I wish we had that for you. Um, that was the most salacious part of all the entire interview. Is where do we have that? It's a part of you. You are special. You remind me of my daughter. You know, uh, he's like you're smart, beautiful, and a woman to be reckoned with. I like you. I like you. This is at, that's after they had sex, correct? He tells her he, he rem, she reminds him of his daughter after they had sex. Now again. This is the same guy that said about his daughter that if they were, if she weren't his daughter, maybe he would be dating her, which is, I mean, dude, those are two things right there with your sexuality and your kid a little too close for my personal liking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, without, without going into like alarmist Trump mode. Yes. I mean, that, I, any, it does not matter who you are. If you are talking about your daughter in a sexual fashion like that, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with it. I mean, dude, I had an ex that I used to make her kick the cat out of the bedroom when we were having sex. Cause I didn't like the way it looked at me, let alone thinking of the imagery of my own children in my sexuality or even talking about dating them. No, I would tell you the one. Both daughters are actually smoking hot. Would I would go out with either one of them? It's but I'm some dude. It's one thing to acknowledge that your children are attractive. Like I'm a good-looking daughter, right? right. That that's one thing. But to say that you know perhaps if she weren't my daughter, I'd be dating her. Different thing. Yeah, I had a boss once in the radio business who said to me, "My daughter will be visiting the radio station today." And he said to me, "He's like Stansberry, my daughter's hot, dude. She's a 10." So what I don't want you to do is to be say anything super creepy to my daughter. But he did not, you know what I mean? Like he was just like kind of telling us, but it's a very different statement to be like, "Hey, my daughter's attractive" versus saying things like that. Like that's very very strange. That's very very strange. I saw a lot of this over the weekend with the Stormy Daniels thing is people are like, "Look, I don't care that he slept with, you know, a porn star. It's that I don't like the double standard." Because, you know, people like raked Bill Clinton over the coals. He was president. It's different. Now, the payment, 
The $130,000 payment? You're right on that. But, dude, the sex is different. It really is. Bill Clinton, dude, took a woman's hand in the White House, placed it on his genitals. They are different activities. Sleeping with a sleeping with an intern while you're president and married is different than just cheating on your wife as a billionaire. I'm sorry, America. It's a different thing. So it's not hypocrisy at all. It's a completely different thing. I, I, I think the hypocrisy that's kind of bothered me in this story is that, like, ah, this is a non-story. And it's like, you can not think this is a big deal, but to say it's a non-story is ridiculous. It's not a non-story. Like, if, if, if this were Obama... This would be a huge story. If this were, if this were Hillary Clinton in the same exact circumstances, banging out Lex Steele. Yeah. If this were Hillary Clinton riding the Lex Steele pony, there, I'm telling you right now, this would be an well, enormous story. Yes, it would. But Obama's your better argument because it's man to man there. Where yes, America would treat se- the, America would treat promiscuous sex by a woman differently than they treat promiscuous sex by a man. So I think Obama's your better argument. They're both true. But Obama's the better argument. That if he, yes, that if he had slept with the porn star, it, honestly, I think people would be more up in arms than they even are now. But there is, there is it. But to say that people were upset about Bill Clinton and not upset about Trump is hypocrisy. I don't really think is totally true. The the facts of the case are different. He was the commander in chief. Used that power to sleep with somebody who worked for. M. It's a completely, it's a completely different story. I don't care if my boss has sex with some 19-year-old girl at a bar, you know what I mean, or whatever. But if he uses that position to sleep with a 19-year-old in this building and uses that influence, that is a different thing. That is a very different thing. It's not hypocrisy. What Bill Clinton did is worse. That's coming from a left-leaning person who voted for him. What Bill Clinton did was worse than this. It's just true. More Stansbury Show right around the corner. Hang on. 069. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show. We're on Rock 069. We'll have $1,000 for you at 810 this morning after we talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. Uh, we are hearing Steve Kerr saying Steph Curry out for the first round of the playoffs. Now, that doesn't really necessarily matter for the Cavs. Um, they're not going to play the Golden State Warriors in the first round of the playoffs, but it might mean that maybe the Golden State Warriors don't move forward. Uh, it, it might mean that. I don't think it will, but it might mean that. No, I think that team's probably talented enough to get out of the first round, but like just reincorporating a superstar into a team game like that can be a very tough thing to very do. And to luckily, do. the Cavaliers had some regular season games to do that with Kevin Love. If you're just trying to interject him into that second round of the playoffs and you're going up against, you know, you know, a, a contender out there, the Houston who knows Rockets, what happens? The Houston Rockets are the team you got to worry about more, I personally think. But um, both teams shoot the three better than the Cavs. That the Cavs are the worst three defending team that are in a running for the playoffs. So that part will be tough. Ultimately, I still think they have a very hard road to go. But if they have to play the Warriors minus Steph Curry, that would obviously be easier. So there turns out women are better at something than men are. What? There's differences between men and women? What? Yeah, there are. And we have found out now through science that women are better at something than men are. And this is not to imply that this is the only thing that women are better at than men, but they are better at being single. The survey found that 61% of single women reported that they are content on their own. Men, on the other hand, are not so comfortable, meaning only 48% of men said that they were content without being in a relationship. They, the study also found that guys are much more likely to want to partner up than a woman. 
75% of women said they hadn't actively pursued finding a partner in the past year compared to 65% of men who said the same thing. I, this is, I'm not surprised by this, but I, but I'm willing to bet that a lot of people are going to be because again, movies, songs, TV shows, sell us this woe is me attitude out of the female portion of the population and bring on the ice cream and the salty chips. Cause I'm single and I'm miserable and that whole thing where it's turning out, it's actually men that have a harder time being single than women. Yeah. And I think a part of that is. Is and I know it's a stereotype, but I don't know. There's probably at least some truth in this. In all of where it's you're looking for someone to take care of you, and I think that's where men run into the problem with being single. Is okay now, you know. Okay, so now I'm divorced and I'm having fun for six months, and all of a sudden it's great. I don't have to worry about that bitch. She's not going to do anything. But six, seven months from now turns into six, seven years from now, and it's like, oh my god, nobody's cooked for me in how long? Nobody's taking care of you know my laundry in how long? Nobody's taking care of me. And I think that's where men have a tough time being single. Yeah, I um, I also think it's the availability. Like there's there's something it, for most women. All right, you can never say a statement and have it be true of all of you know people inside right. of a group. But the availability for sex for most women is pretty much that if you walk out your front door, you can find a guy to go home with you. Where men, even fit, attractive men with good jobs, can still find themselves in the, man, I've been going places, I've been meeting right. more people, I've been doing things, and I cannot meet somebody. Where women, it's like, dude, if it just comes down to primal desire to get banged out, you're going to be able to get that tomorrow. I think even if you're talking a relationship, even if it's even if it's not just like, hey, I want to have sex, I think there are more dateable women on the face of the planet than there are dateable men. I feel like... Why do I think you're right about that? I, I, I feel like... And now when I'm saying dateable, I mean all things considered here, not just how you look, not just who you are as a person, but like your finances and like all the things that go into you picking a partner. I feel like there are more women who are... Ready to go. Ready to go, acceptable than there are men. So it's just that that size differential kind of makes a difference in this where it's like women have to be okay with being single because it's like, well, I can either be stuck with something I'm just not happy with where a lot of guys can like settle into something where it's like ah she she passes all the she checks all my boxes she might not be the perfect woman for me but she checks all my boxes yeah that's true i i, I also think women probably um gather their emotional stability issues better than men and probably prepare themselves for another relationship better than a man does here's what i will say in my personal life that i've seen this um just by the women i know versus the men i know um, what I have noticed, and again, this is a very small group. I'm just looking at the people I personally know, um, that have moved around in relationships is that the women I know, um, fully grieve a previous relationship before moving into another. Now, again, there are going to be women who do not do this, right? But the women I've seemed to know, it's like, dude, they kind of go through the whole process. They grieve, they kind of do the whole thing. And then they like legitimately get ready as a person to be back in something else where a man feels like especially like if a girl broke up with him is well now I've been I've been hurt and as a man we're taught like you man up you don't cry you don't feel your emotions you big tough man you're a man you're not supposed to feel where men what men do is they just go seek out approval again and so they just go run into the arms of another woman and then ultimately that leads to that relationship breaking up then again and that's why I think women are better off at being single than men are because women actually take the time in being 
single to do what you should be while being single. Where a man spends his time being single obsessed about finding sex. Where a woman's like about growth and about changing and about recognizing the faults in her and recognizing the faults in her partners and realizing that it was her choices that brought those bad partners to her. Where a lot of women can kind of do that where men are like, men just kind of feel like they are finished products. Like most men I know will say to me things like, do you talk about growth? Like, dude, I'm grown. I'm here. I'm, I'm who I am. It's like, well, that's unfortunate, dude, because you're probably not the best version of you yet. And I think women ultimately probably in more cases take better stock of themselves and actually move forward as a human being and get ready for a second relationship, understand how long that takes. So ultimately, they're better off at being single than a man is. We'll talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. Also get you hooked up with $1,000 next on Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're, on We're also online at WRQK.com and going to make you $1,000 richer momentarily. Before we do that, we got to talk to our good buddy Scott from WinningForNextYear.com. Happy Monday, buddy. Likewise. I, uh, I, I appreciate you taking some time with us this morning. I know you're probably all excited to get your face paint on for tonight. <laughs> Scott is a uh, Scott is a big, <laughs> he is a big time WWE wrestling fan. Uh, and... Uh, You'll have to give me a couple of seconds to finish rolling my eyes <laughs> and, get, and, uh, and get questions ready for you. I, um, I want to talk to you about Steph Curry as Steve Kerr has come out and said, look, Steph Curry is ruled out for uh, the first round of the NBA playoffs. Now, this doesn't directly affect the Cavaliers, obviously, because they're not going to play them in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Um, but you know, Fantone pointed this out earlier in the show, and he's totally right. Where it's like putting a superstar back into your lineup can be problematic um, after missing some time. Um, do you think that this injury helps the Cavaliers get closer to a title, or not at all? It doesn't hurt. Um, That's how I feel. You know the the the, you know, the issue, oh, and and for Steph, I mean, he, the day he came, I think it was the game he came back from an ankle issue. Um, he hurt his knee, you know, midway through that game. So he's been he's been out for a bit here. That's a good point. And um, you know, and truthfully, if if you're looking at you know lessening the terrain, if you will, the the you know the, the Houston Rockets will still be there as well. Um, you know, so it, it I, I don't know if it necessarily helps the Cavs as much as it helps. The Rockets, um, you know, at first, right? Because then I think I think you got to kind of take it game by game. What what I think is worth looking at more than 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 Steph right now, at least if you're a Cavs fan, is Kyrie Irving just having that knee surgery um, and and being being out for a little bit. I mean, it's, it seems like um, you know they're saying it's a minor operation. Um, you know, I, I'm I, I don't know. Anytime you kind of have, you know, have so a doctor dig into your knee. It's not good. From an arthroscopic standpoint, doesn't sound. You know, I mean, I think I think we're kind of you know picking nits at that point. So, you know, that one um, I think will will have a di- more direct, at least near term, impact on the Cavaliers' chances to win a title. And then you know you got to play it however Steph is. Don't forget there was a you know not long ago where Steph missed the first two rounds of the playoffs, and I think or was I think it was first two rounds, and then, and then Portland was giving them a run. And then they quickly, you know, figured that out really quick and then, you know, made it back to the NBA Finals. So, you know, it, yes, implementing a, a, a superstar isn't easy, um, but it's a lot easier when you already have three other ones, you know, to kind of carry the load while the, while the fourth gets, gets, gets his feet back in the water. There are going to be people who think that this is going to be the new version of NBA resting. Is, is there any chances of that? I, I don't think so. Um, you know, it, it did not look good, um, you know, and, and – 
and I think the, you know, they're lucky it's an MCL and it wasn't anything worse. Um, I, I, I get if it, if they were to set hamstring or, or back or something, you know, that, that kind of tends to be the, you know, the cliche rest, but there, I, there's no way that I think that they would be toying with this as much as they are, um, you know, and given, given what happened, it's not like there was a, not, there wasn't a play or something where he didn't get hurt. I mean, he clearly, he clearly got hurt, clearly hobbled off. And, uh, you know, I think they were, they actually feared a little worse. So I think, you know, in this case, um, I would be shocked if it was the Warriors trying to, you know, pull one over on the rest of the league. Yeah, I think it just goes to show you uh, how how tough it is from a physical standpoint, let alone from like a coaching standpoint or an intellectual standpoint, but just from a physical tolls on the body standpoint, it is to make these long runs in any season. And with the Warriors going consecutive years, three consecutive years in a row into June basketball, I mean, that's going to take wear and tear on your body. Inevitably, one of your superstars is going to get hurt, unless, of course, you have all of your chips on LeBron James, who's made seven consecutive runs and somehow or another right. is going to end up playing all 82 games of basketball right now. Um, he uh, he was he was he was he's been putting on a show in the last month, man. The month, the month of March has been super impressive. I think the thing that's really stood out to me, though, is the way that LeBron has improved with Kevin Love coming back out on the court yesterday. You could see it. I mean, Kevin Love, very confident in his number two role right there. Um, and, and, and to me, it looks like, hey, they've got a functioning offense they've got at least somewhat of a semblance of defense but they've got a functioning offense going with a two-star system is a big two enough to compete in today's nba if 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 you can get a third by you know you know it it might not be a default third you know every game but you get someone whether it's jordan clarkson whether it's larry nance jr someone to kind of fill in that um you know third role you know you you can get by the the you know, the, the Cavaliers are playing at an insane level right now. I think their last I saw their offensive efficiency, um, you know, with, I think it was, it was the month of March, I can't recall, it was like 119 per 100 possessions, and the Warriors are 113. So to be six points better than them offensively with this group, um, I think speaks volumes to what you're kind of talking about in terms of how well LeBron and, 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 and Kevin are playing together. Um, you know, I mean, it's, I know they were struggling for a little bit there and, and, you know, people wondered what the answer was, but when you, when you have a player like Kevin Love out, um, you know, it's, it's really tough to gauge where this team stands and you're seeing a better idea of what they're going to look like going forward. Um, you know, with what they have now, now they're not going to be playing Phoenix, you know, in the, you know, in the, in the, in the playoffs, or they're not going to be playing Brooklyn in the playoffs, but that said, um, you know they're they're just playing extremely well. The defense is still troublesome. Um, it's going to be a big it's going to be a big issue. And if the sh- if there's a game in the playoffs where the shots aren't falling, it's going to be really really tough for them to win. But I'd rather take my chances with two elite offensive players who just seem to fit so well together in terms of spacing the floor, uh, much more so than trying to crowbar a third in there and and you know and and and, and thin out everything else. I think if you have a nine man rotation. You know that they could that they can eight man nine man that they can button down. I think they'll be fine. Yeah, to answer your question, Matt. We're talking to Scott from WinningForNextYear.com. Uh, talk, wrapping up a little Cavaliers talk. I want to move forward now with baseball, if we can. I'm uh, I'm hearing if if this is right that the 29th is uh, the first regular season game for the Cleveland Indians. What are you most excited to see with the Cleveland Indians team at the, at the start of baseball season, Scott? You know, it's, it's, it's just, I mean, it sounds silly, but just baseball being back, I think, helps. Um, you know, but with these guys, 
it, it's going to be a, it's going to be much like the Cavaliers season. Um, you know, there, there's not going to be as much game to game analysis, I would assume, just because it's baseball. But you need to get back to the postseason with your starting rotation healthy and and your and your bat swing. So I think if you're looking forward to something early on, you know, can Yonder Alonso fill in for what Carlos Santana was giving you at first base? Um, you know, can can Jason Kipnis rebound to you know the Jason Kipnis that was deserving of the contract he's on? Can you know can Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez just take use last year and become better? I mean, those are you know early things to look at. But it, and it sucks to think of it this way. But for this team to compete, they're going to need to stay healthy. I mean, there's not much of a safety net there, you know, as we saw a couple of years back. So you know, keeping getting guys like Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, on down the line, healthy and 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 dominance, uh, you know, throughout this season will be a lot of fun to watch. But if something happens, you know, heaven forbid, elbow or shoulder wise to any of them, or Adam Miller or or, or, or Cody Allen. Um, again, this team is going to have a really tough time competing, especially when you see, you know, John Carlos Stanton doing what he's doing with the New York Yankees. I mean, it's, it's I mean, that team got you know much better year over year. So if you're, if if a World Series is your hopes, um, you know, health is really going to be the only way to get there. We're talking to Scott from ReadingForNextYear.com. One more question, then I'll let you get on with your Monday. What are you most excited to see at Monday Night Raw? <laughs> <laughs> No, give it to me, yeah. man. Give me the give me the raw excitement. No, it's it's tough to not be excited about Braun Strowman. I mean, just in general, I'm not sure how much Fantone has told you about this guy, but he is like the, the he is like he is like the he's the closest thing you can get to Stone Cold Steve Austin in today's uh, you know environment. I mean, the the reaction he gets throughout the you know throughout every arena um, is is fantastic. And I'm not sure how much you know about this, but there 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 was a, an angle where they're having this one gigantic dude potentially wrestle a tag team. Uh, for the for the belts at WrestleMania, and just the idea of one gigantic dude carrying around two belts <laughs> I mean, yeah, is, is, sure. is 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 funny to, to me. Man. And uh, and and you know, so that but he would he would easily be the guy that uh, that is going to get the biggest pop tonight. Dude, you deserve a broadcasting award for getting through that with a straight face. I mean, the guy's going to carry two belts, dude. I mean, one for each shoulder. That's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's tough. I know. Make fun of me for making putts. Make, I mean, do it, do whatever you got to do. I, uh, <laughs> dude, you should, dude, buy my boy Fantone a ticket. He wants to go, but he's too poor. <laughs> I texted him yesterday. I asked him if he was going. He never wrote back. I assumed he didn't either. He either didn't get it or was too ashamed to reply. School night, baby. School night. I got a job to do. I've got a job to do. I got a job to do. Dude, he just said Scott. I, I know the boss. I'll talk to him for you. <laughs> Scott just, dude, Scott's got two jobs. He's got, dude, he's honestly in the break room of his, like, day job right now. See, Scott, dude, that's a phantom lion. Dude, just buy the kid a ticket. He's poor, dude. Help him out, man. I, I'll see what I could do. I'm trying to get out of this raw mess. I don't know. I, 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 I'm in a serious tailspin. We'll talk to you again Monday at 8 o'clock, Scott. Have a great week, buddy. You too, guys. Your opportunity at $1,000 is right now. Your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We're also online, WRQK.com, 910. Get hooked up with... $8,000, also $9.30. We'll send you to see Manson and Zombie, that show, July 17th. Blossom Music Center, we'll get you into that. That sounds like a really good show. Everybody in the world thinks they now know the uh, the right solution 
for gun violence in high schools. And of course, nobody does. Nobody knows what the solution is. Nobody. Everybody's got an opinion. Doesn't mean you're right about it, right? And we've seen a bunch of crazy ideas floated, a bunch of them. And there were, uh, I know, you know, the students march for our lives in Washington. And, you know, we had one of these here at Market Square. Fantone and I both went the other day. As a matter of fact, you can see photos, facebook.com slash the Stansbury show there. You can see some photos from Market Square over the weekend. Where we went and looked at that. And this is getting very, very interesting now because the whole thing started by, look, nobody's trying to take your guns away, man. Relax. What are, what, what are you so worried about? Nobody's trying to take your guns away. And then sure enough, over the weekend, what did every sign say? Actually, we are trying to take your guns away. So as you were laughing at people for two years, telling them that they were heretics and lunatics over the fear that you were actually coming for their guns and you telling them, no, 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 we're not. When in reality, we find out, yes, you are. That's exactly what you're trying to do is come and take their guns. So maybe some of that fear they had of you was warranted. Okay, so there's that. I know a lot of people want to point out the fact that Emma Gonzalez was up on stage and she had a Cuban flag on her arm um, while talking about, you know, oppression and like all these things. Meanwhile, dude, didn't know the history there where they dearmed their citizens and mowed a bunch of them over. That's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like there, there, there are weird things that happen with that. It's a little too close to the Kaepernick hypocrisy thing for me with Emma Gonzalez. I do. I find her to be wildly annoying. I mean, seriously annoying. David Hogue's even worse. If you ask my opinion, I think that kid's totally annoying, but I said it this morning, is that it's going to be the annoying kids that they're going to make the poster children because the squeaky wheel gets the grease, and that the kid who kind of feels the same way but doesn't necessarily know how to articulate that isn't going to be the poster child. They are going to make the poster children out of the kids who are screaming loud. I mean, that's just the way it is. But to pretend that these two kids know everything they need to know to front a movement like this is insane. Now... That being said, a high school kid can know more about the political environment than some 30-year-old. That can happen, too. Okay? So let's, we need to admit that, too. But to pretend that these two kids know everything that they need to know is crazy. And to stand up and say, you can't make us have clear backpacks because you're infringing on my First Amendment right is kind of shoot you in the foot, sorry for the pun, when you're trying to then take away people's Second Amendment right. You can't have it both ways, David Hogue. You can't. You got to pick one, dude. Pick one, stick with it, and see it all the way through. But the problem is they don't really know what they believe and that they are kind of being force-fed what they believe. should also point this out, that as this was happening this weekend, the NRA saw the biggest, the biggest like increase in their website hits in interest in joining the NRA than they have in the last five years. This is what I'm always saying, that if you protest things, most of the time what you do is embolden the thing you're trying to take down. A lot of the times that's what you end up doing. Not all people are going to be able to say, well, what about this and what about this? Yeah, I know. You can show me instances. More cases than not, I'm right. And so I think that that, there's a case of that. I also saw this with the food industry, right? We've seen this movie before. Michelle Obama, going to fix food, right? Going to fix food, going to fix it. Gonna fix. The problem is what your kids are eating. And then what happened? What happened? Do you remember what happened? Because I do. What happened was, is the food companies signed on to help her. And then 10 minutes later, her story changed. She was behind a podium, speaking into a microphone, and said this to you, America. This should be easy to get kids to go outside and play. We're not trying to get them to eat their vegetables. That was a quote. 
Meanwhile, dude, two months before the food industry came on board, she was demonizing the food. But then what happened? The money came in. And what I'm telling you is, is that I think you can win the midterm elections. I think you could blue wave it and guns don't get changed one bit because the money's going to stay the same. The money's going to stay the same. I think these people are going to go in there and vote exactly the way the other people have. Because I saw it happen with food, and that's what's going to happen with guns. The money will come in. It'll influence you. You're going to get your blue wave, blue wave, blue wave, and nothing's going to change. Nothing. Because greed will set in. Greed will take over. That's what it's going to be. That's what happened with Michelle Obama and food, and that's what's going to happen with guns. It's what's going to happen. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe I am. We'll see. But one Pennsylvania district has a pretty strange solution to stop school shooters. I'm sure most of you have probably seen this by now. And what they want to keep your school safe is armed students, not with guns, but with rocks. David Helsel, the superintendent of the Blue Mountain School District in Pennsylvania, told state lawmakers each classroom in his district has and will have a five-gallon bucket of river stones to use in case other measures fail. They say if an armed intruder attempts to gain entrance into any of our classrooms, they will face a classroom full of students armed with rocks, and they will be stoned. They said the, the policy began in the fall, according to ABC News, but began gaining notice after the superintendent's testimony. Um, this feels strange. They say it's a, the five-gallon bucket of rocks is a last-ditch line of defense. He also said staff and students have, uh, will have active shooter training. His schools have had plans in place to alert staff of where the shooter is if one enters the grounds, and that the district has installed devices that tightly secure classroom doors. Um, they said how, but he says here, how are you going to aim your gun if you're being pelted with rocks? I mean, I guess there's an argument in that, but couldn't I? But it, I may not be able to aim my gun when rocks are being thrown at me. I could still fire it. Um, it's a part of Alice training, um, where if in the worst case scenario where everything else has failed, where it's like, all right, well, the 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 he got past the the metal detector, got past this. Now you're being shot at. It's not so much are you going to be able to save your own life. It's are you creating enough seconds to save somebody else's life in that situation by you throwing that book at them? Because that's initially where it started. Was you throw anything that's available to sure. you, whether it's books or your desk or whatever it is, you're creating more time where he's not able to go shoot more people. I think by giving students rocks, you're giving them something they could aim more accurately, throw more accurately, would create more damage than trying to throw geometry books. You can still fire the gun. Well, yeah, but I mean, it, if it helps, even if, if it helps a little bit, if it buys 10 extra seconds, isn't that worth having a bucket of rocks in there? It doesn't solve everything, but if it creates 10 extra seconds, there's no loss there to me. I, I, don't have a, I don't have a great argument not to have a bucket of rocks in the classroom since they're not going to do anything when you're not using them. They're just sitting there. So I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I, it, you know, There's going to be the extreme case where two kids get in an argument, a kid grabs a rock and throws a rock at somebody, dude, and you can kill somebody by throwing a rock at their head, dude. Like that's, that's it, So it's not great. Couldn't, I mean, I could... There's plenty of blunt objects in a classroom I could just pick up and start bludgeoning somebody with. But What's in a classroom I could bludgeon somebody with? I mean, you couldn't pick up a de- you couldn't pick up a chair and hit somebody over the head with it and kill them. Aren't most chairs attached to the desk? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, I don't think in every school it's not it's not a you know. And why couldn't I just pick up that chair? I mean, I suppose you could. The difference there, Fantone, and this is why arguments like this always fail is you need the chair in class. I don't need the rock. You need the chair. 
I, I it's mean, much like people say, you know, cars kill people just like guns do. Well, dude, I need a car to get to work, though. So let's let's if we're going to have a conversation, let's have a real conversation and not just go, well, what about this thing that doesn't hold up whatsoever? It, it, I, I, at, at the end of the day, this this there's no loss to me here. And like, yes, you can point at an extreme case. Well, hey, this kid could do something, but that could be done with anything. I mean, you could strangle somebody with with your with your your sweatshirt, but that doesn't mean I'm trying to take sweatshirts out of class. Again, I need clothing to go to school. I don't need rocks to be in the classroom. However, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just telling you that some of these arguments people are going to use don't hold water. I think this is just like with when Rick Santorum this weekend said that, you know, taking taking a CPR class should be a part of this, where it's like, yes, you know, there's plenty of debates about, well, is this is this guns or is this mental health? If we can't come to a solution there, I want to come to solutions to things we can. And if creating 10 more seconds, it costs me a bucket of rocks or, or going to a CPR class, those are the things that I think do need to get addressed. And it's like, well, well the we- CPR thing was stupid. In the middle of an active shooter situation, you're, I mean, dude, if the guy's in the classroom, CPR on somebody laying on the floor is the last thing you need to worry about. That was a stupid thing to say. But if, okay, so now he shot your classroom up and I as a student am surviving and one of my friends is lying they're bleeding out if I had some sort of first training that's fine for for the aftermath the problem is is he was presenting this as something you should do to prevent this and that will not prevent it you can only use the CPR after the shooter incident has happened what Rick Santorum said was dumb that was stupid and it was also a little insensitive in the light of these things and that's coming from a guy that does not like those words but these things are stupid and this is what happens when fear creeps in fear makes you go oh my god what do we do let's just do this where fear then, re- if you respond out of a place of fear, what that does is cloud your judgment and it clouds you from being able to make the best overall decision for not you, but for everybody involved in the situation. What both of these suggestions are is grasping at straws and basically two adult men saying out loud, I don't know what to do right now, so we're going to do this versus do nothing. When I would say I would say that more likely it is more probably better off to take some course of action versus none but to pretend that these are real solutions to these problems you can't aim the gun if somebody's throwing a rock at you. Well, the trigger still works fine, dude. And they're mass shooters. So guess what? Haven't we found out that it's not necessarily about the target, that all they want is massive amounts of blood and massive amounts of body count? So what does it matter where the gun then is aimed? They want the trigger to go off. That's what they want. They don't care where the gun is aimed. That's why they aimlessly walk around the school. It's very rare, is it, that they went in to shoot one particular student. That's what makes the bullying thing so crazy. Well, you know, let's have a bully rally. Well, dude, there's very rarely are there an actual target of this. It's just the mass destruction of it. The, the trigger's going to work fine no matter what you're throwing at them. This were These were two silly things to say in the light of a very serious situation. Rick Santorum, that was despicable. More Stansberry Show right around the corner. Hang on. Good morning. The Stansberry Show. Or the god of your choosing. Best morning ever. Kids Rock Station. Rock 1069. Rock 1069. Welcome back to the Sands Ray Show on Rock 1069 online for you, WRQK.com. Still to come, another shot at $1,000 at 910. We'll have Manson Zombie tickets for you at 930, 945. Huge 9 o'clock hour. 945 will get you hooked up with those Honor Fighting Championship tickets. That event uh, this Saturday, Chaparral's Event Center in Akron will get you hooked up. There's a video online for you at WRQK.com that proves something Fantona said on the show a thousand times is 100% factually correct. All right. 
And Fantone has said many, 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 many times that there is no such thing as clean food. That there is no such thing as as clean eating if you go someplace outside of your home. Um, we will list outside of this company that, that, that this young woman worked for. We will list no other food companies. But I will tell you a quick story of another radio broadcaster somewhat in the market that recorded a video of himself talking about how people who send food back are dumb because if you want something done right, do it yourself, and that restaurants ultimately can't do the job as well as you can do it, listed 300 advertisers, posted said video to his Twitter account, and then the radio station liked it. That, guys, is a broadcasting and advertising effing nightmare. And it's no wonder they usually keep that kid on in the middle of the night when nobody's listening. When I saw the when I saw his radio station like that video, I was like, oh my God, dude, they are asleep at the wheel. Like asleep at the wheel. Essentially saying, dude, a restaurant can't do their job right, no matter who it is. Like that was the, one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life. But moving forward with this particular story, you have said multiple times, though, that you are essentially rolling dice when you go out to eat, and it can be true. And that I would estimate that everybody in the country who has had food at a restaurant, which is all of us, somewhere along the line did get something that came out of that kitchen that it should not have been that way over an employee being mad, having a bad day, maybe you were a jerk to them, whatever the case may be, you've probably put something in your body you wish you wouldn't have. I mean, not necessarily even that it was done maliciously, but like at the end of the day... There, you, yes, you've you've consumed what you would view as as dirty food. Yes, dirty it happens. Food. That, it happens probably more like more frequently than anyone would like to admit. I would agree with that. That that is that is a reality for this country. Most countries, I would assume. This video, however, is from a place that I do like, um, and I had been made aware of it for the first time when I was living in Oregon. We had they had them there before we had had them uh, at least in this portion of Ohio, Pita Pit. And it's a delicious restaurant. I really like that place a lot. And you can eat some, you can eat pretty healthy there too if you pick the right choices. So it's one of those staples that I like to have. But there's a video of this woman in Missoula who gets into an argument with some, with, with a consumer, with a customer. And then through that, then opens the pita up and just hocks a big old loogie right in the center of it. And like then you see the arms of the consumer come over top of the counter and they start flailing at one another like that. And I didn't understand this move because normally, dude, like she's obviously not going to take it off the counter from you, then pay you for it, and then eat it. So what was the point of doing that? Right, and what was the point of trying to fight the lady? All right, so fine, this la- this out. lady at Pita Pit is spitting in your food because you were, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah, what, I mean, what, what are we getting into an argument here for? Like, I understand recording it. I understand being sure. like, oh my God, disgusted Can you believe by it. This? But what? Uh, what are you, you going to fight the, you're gonna fight the Pita Pit employee? I just didn't understand the employee. It's like normally if you're going to spit in somebody's food, it's because you know you're going to get away with it. And that secretly then you can maybe sit there in the back and kind of watch them right. eat that, you know, eat it or whatever. Or when they pull out and drive away, it's like that person has no idea. I just did this. But to spit in something and then not have the person eat it to me is like, well, why did I do this? Yeah, and I know there's probably some people out there who's like, well, I'm never mean to Pita Pit employees or I'm never mean to anybody. And, and why do they have any reason? I, I When it comes to food getting messed with, I think, and not even I think, I know there are some people out there who are just like, I hate my job, I hate my life, and therefore I will take it out on the victims I have in front of me. So it's not like, hey, man, I'm really going to get that bitch in booth number 17 over there. It's just like randomly, like right in the food there. uh, Now, I have obviously worked in food places. Um, I worked my way through high school at a fast food restaurant, um, and I'm sure I did something 
like because I was a teenager and oh, this would be kind of funny. But like I don't remember anything, and I was always so fearful of losing my job. Well, and you, you got to think too, though. Like I said, I mean, maybe you never did anything intentionally. Maybe Dan Stansberry never said, "You know what? I'm gonna wipe. I'm gonna pick my nose and I'm gonna wipe this booger." No, but in I here. probably didn't wipe a knife off properly. You between didn't wash put- your hands. Right. Oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. As you, a high school kid, yes, you were outside smoking a black and mild with your buddy Derek behind on you know uh, behind the dumpster on lunch break. It was joints and Jeremy. Sorry. Well, <laughs> nonetheless, joints and, and Jeremy. You come back in, you don't clean your hands and i mean that's like i said at the end of the day if you think that every time and i'm not saying every restaurant but no. i'm saying any restaurant and i'm not saying every time but i'm saying any time this very well could be a reality for you and i think you're right i think it is just about being miserable in your position in life in your station and just going you know what this is going to make me feel better which I, I i this is what i would tell the person who spits in the food because they hate their life because though because that's your decision because that's who you are when you don't like something is why you're in the position doing a job you hate. Because that's your mentality. This is how I'll make myself feel better is by ruining this person's food is exactly why you're the person preparing that person's food. Just so you know. Your shot at $1,000 next on Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. About to get you guys hooked up with $1,000 here momentarily. Also, 930. We'll send you to see Manson and Zombie. Um... So there's this theory that people will tell you out uh, online, and it's true, that you cannot be liberal enough for Twitter. Like, no matter what you do, it's going to be, they're going to find a way where you were not liberal enough. And I've got proof here. Um, and, And how fast they will turn on their own. And there's a rapper that Fantone and I both like. His name is Killer Mike, and you guys will know him, those of you who are rap fans, by the group he is in called Run the Jewels, which I believe LP is a white dude, right? It's yeah, Killer yeah, Mike yeah. and LP is a white dude. Killer Mike, I mean, you know, has been around for decades. I mean, a really big part of like um, Outcast scene and like their whole crew. So, he, like, he was in yeah. the Dungeon family for a yeah. long time and that whole part of the thing, but he was more like kind of underground and that kind of stuff. Um, and so I don't think a lot of people really got to know Killer Mike until really not even run the jewels. It was Bernie Sanders, essentially, that made Killer Mike a household name because Bernie Sanders kept running around with him. Right. And uh, Mike was a big supporter of Bernie Sanders, felt like he was the best person in the race. And I remember saying during that time is I was told and I did not vote for Donald Trump, but I was told at that time you should not vote for Donald Trump because he's a terrible person. And I remember saying to you all then, well, if that is true, then what I should do is vote for Bernie Sanders because he's the best person in the race by a mile. And that is true. He's a better person than Hillary Clinton by like 10 miles. She's terrible. Right. And Trump's probably not the best person behind closed doors also i don't know but you know whatever but mike was a big bernie sanders fan and so now a lot of the people that became killer mike fans because of his allegiance to bernie sanders are now realizing who mike really is and they're now backing away from him michael render is killer mike's real name and he is now on the defensive after having appeared on nra tv which is the broadcast arm of the national rifle association Killer Mike said in the interview that he is a gun owner and staunch supporter of the Second Amendment and that he discouraged his children from joining in the school protest against gun violence that took place in the weeks following February's Florida high school shooting. Mike went on to say, I told my kids on the school walkout, I love you. If you walk out of that school, walk out of my house. 
The rapper, obviously a member of the group Run the Jewels, responded to Twitter users who criticized him for giving the interview by saying, I think CNN and Fox are viewpoint propaganda machines. I have appeared on both, he wrote. My concerns are with the blacks in America living under domestic terror that no one seems to want to address. And now he is, of course, being blasted by the liberal left for being willing to be seen on NR on NRA TV. And this is what I'm saying. You can't be liberal enough for these people. This guy wanted all the other Bernie Sanders things implemented. He wanted free college for you. He wanted free health care for you. He wanted all of these things. But now because he feels this way about this, this group, chew him up, spit him out, throw him overboard. Which I think is a little short-sighted. And there, this is true. You cannot be liberal enough for social media. I don't care what your positions are. You could put a sanctuary city in your goddamn living room. Twitter will tell you while you're, why you are not liberal enough and why you're not woke enough. And it's starting to get annoying. And I say this about myself a lot. And this is what I'm going to say about Killer Mike. If you shut dudes like this up, who really was for, the lo- for a long time, still is trying to push what he feels are the right things down the path, and you also agree with him on about 85% of what he thinks, if you shut these people up and disqualify them and take them out of the conversation, you lose. You lose. Is there non-starters for you? You feel like, I mean, and, and you know, this is obviously a different thing, but like, you know, hey, I'm so staunchly anti-abortion. If you are, if you are okay with it, you're automatically a, a no-go for me. No, not for me. I, th- not for me. No. I think for because some. I think I just think for some people, there are going to be issues that they feel passionately enough about where that's their. But th- this is the problem with joining a group. This is the problem with being in a group. Is that you then have to group think, which is by the guys by definition. By definition, being a member of a group goes against what you were supposed to be, which is an individual. Lead, not follow, right? Lead, don't follow. Why are you following? Following is for losers. You lead. But see, that's the problem is then, and then you want to join this group, and this group says, okay, yes, we want you because we want as many people in this group as humanly possible. However, if you want to be in this group, you must think this, you must think this, and you must not, more importantly, think this, this, or this, which is a problem, which is why I'm always telling you the two-party system is for hacks. I have told you this since this show started. You will never get me in one of those goddamn groups ever. You know why? Because the moment you get put in one of those groups and some of you can recite this before I say it because I've said it so many times that once you are in a group and you say this is where I belong to you are being hustled this is designed for you to think like them they are looking to take away your individuality and force you into thinking the way that they think so you fit into their group and you become popular this is ridiculous I have, and I always say this, and some of you will be able to quote this before I finish getting it out of my mouth. Surround yourself with smart, intellectual people who view the world differently. That's how you grow. This, you can't be in our club if you don't think everything we think is insanity. And it's also why nothing gets done. And that's why people with pacifiers in their mouth and vagina hats on their head end up being the talking heads for our, for our side of things. 
That's why this happens. Groupthink is effing dangerous. If my son came home from high school and told me he just blindly believed everything that the chess club believed, I'd smack him around and say, you need to think about things for your own damn self. But why, when you're 40, do you go, well, I'm a Democrat, so I'll think like this, because you're an idiot. And because you have fallen for the two-party system, it is a total and utter scam. It's a scam to divide you and I together because I've said this a thousand times too. The only thing they really fear is you and I together, which is why do you think they keep throwing the chum in the water to make us fight about this stuff? Because they don't want us together. And they understand that social media is the one thing that can bring us both together. So they use it to divide you and they throw things in the water. So you fight with each other and then everything gets reduced down to what? Conservative, libtard. That's like, that's it. That's all. That's they just get the idiots screaming words that they heard on CNN, and by and then they just sit back, rub their fingers together, and laugh about how they're all laughing all the way to the bank over you thinking you're so much smarter than the other party. Pretending one party cares about you more than the other is insane. They're both corrupt. And until that system gets destroyed, rebuilt with a new one that will probably ruin too, then nothing's going to get fixed. Nothing ever. There's no money in fixing something. The money's in you and I arguing about it till the end of our lives. You cannot be liberal enough for this new arm of the left. You just can't do it. And it's starting to get really disgusting. Your shot at $1,000 right now. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's money to 200-200. Rock 106. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show on Rock 106.9. We'll get you hooked up with those uh, Marilyn Manson Rob Zombie tickets here momentarily. 1-800-243-7625. The number you will need for that. Oh, here we go. I didn't see this until just now. But according to this article, there are six factors that will help you decide if you're ready to move in with your partner. Okay. And cohabitating's hard. It's very different than we're just dating. Very, very different. Um there is you're giving up essentially if somebody's moving in with you you're essentially giving up ownership over your place and then figuring out where that 50 50 split really really goes and it's hard yeah that was tough when my girlfriend moved into the apartment i was living in i felt like i kind of had a tough time with like allowing her to express herself in there and kind of like hey this is mine now once we moved into that second apartment together it felt very much like oh this is ours right where that first one it was like no you're moving into my place you don't get to tell me what to do so yeah i mean that that alone can be a big problem i had a uh, i once moved in with a woman and that was a like a qualifier for her where she was like we're not moving into my place and we're not moving into your place because that's yours this is mine we will find a new place together and we will start this journey together which i of course then was like oh my god but ultimately she was probably right okay so well let's let's look down the list when you've been together for at least one year they say that is one of the signs that you're probably ready to start thinking about moving in together they said this gives couples enough time to cycle through most struggles all right um 
they say 58% of Americans believe moving in together is a bigger challenge for couples than planning a wedding. Wow. Wow. Um, They say that's why it's super important to forge an initial bond, and they say about a year is long enough for that. I'll take the over. Yeah, I would say anything under, though, you're really getting into a bad place Oh, there. yeah. If you haven't been together for a year, I mean, unless it's even even in the sense of like, well, it just, it just worked out, I can very easily see how that was going to go south quickly. Oh, yeah. I mean, people, I think most people in relationships will tell you they didn't really start to act like who they really are until about six months in. I mean, so it's like, so by this year, then that, that's like six months of really knowing who your partner is and then moving in together. I um I I'll take the over on a year, but again, I'm more hesitant to do these kinds of things than the average like healthy adult. So I I I, I do got away in the fact that I'm bringing in my own like you know neuroses into this. They say when you know each other really really well, that's another sign it's time for you to move in together. They say make sure you know your prospective roommate very well. My problem with this here, Fantone, is is that they say and it's a saying for a reason. It's because it's a little bit true, which is you don't really know anybody until you live with them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, really, I mean, but, right? But that just plays back into that year, and, and you brought up the point of, you know, it takes a while for people to take their mask off. It does. I mean, Long time. It, you know, so you you really need to make sure. I uh, I moved in with my girlfriend relatively quick. I mean, really quick if you think about it. But at least we had known each other for a couple of years before we started dating. Therefore, I felt like that was a little bit more than just like, hey, I just met this chick, and now three months later, I'm moving. Well, her that's at. different, sure. Yeah, I mean, if you guys kind of knew each other in social circles and you kind of knew who she was and and you know some of the fabric that makes her up, then yeah, I think that's a little different than. Some Somebody met two months ago and hey, hey, she lives here now. They say when there are no external factors swaying your decision, another proof positive you're ready. They say one of the biggest mistakes that couples make is to move in for financial reasons. Saying like, well, you know, so that's that would be an external factor, meaning Mm -hmm. like, dude, I can't afford my place. You can't afford your place. Let's just get this together. And I had done that with a woman where like I had moved into this house. It was really expensive. And we were dating, and she was like, well, I kind of want to get out of where I'm at, and like, your place is expensive, but if I paid half, and like, I did this, and it was a mess. Yeah, with that, you know, anytime I think in a relationship, you decide to take that next step, whether that's moving in together, getting engaged, having a kid, buying a house, doing whatever those steps of a relationship you view are, um, if it's something outside of the two of you making you do that, that's going to be a problem, whether it's her dad saying like, no, you have to marry her before you can, yes. you know, or it's, you know, it's, it's money, it's or, money whatever. or whatever, whatever, whatever that external force is, that's going to be a problem. Here, what I would tell you is, is that if money is the reason you're moving in together, then money's going to be the reason why you break up yep. six months from now, because yep. the ultimately you're not fixing the problem behind your financial woes, which is A, you're probably spending too much money, B, you're probably not making enough and, money. And that's really something we all look at the financial end of it like, oh, it's going to be so much easier with somebody you know living in the same house as me now one hand that is true i will say that like having a partner can help in times when it's like damn dude i don't get paid until friday but she got paid yesterday yesterday, so okay we've got a little bit of a buffer zone there like hey you know i you know but at the same time once you move in with somebody now it's not the same as marrying them but you essentially sign up to their financial you know, life and whether that's good or bad, because let's be real. I mean, just because you love somebody and you want to move them in your house doesn't make they're they're going to start making better financial decisions. You know what I mean? And now all of a sudden you're carrying the weight where she's like, eh, well, I've got somebody to pay off of here. I mean, I'll give you an example from my, from my own personal life. Now this wasn't me, but it was my brother. My brother married way, way, way up. I mean, his wife is dude leaps and bounds a better person than 
my brother. You know what I mean? Like he got really lucky finding Roxanne. But one of the things he did not know about her is that she had some serious credit card debt. And she had some serious debt. Like she, I mean, she's got two doctorates. She's got, I mean, dude, she's been wildly educated. So some of it is school loan stuff. But he didn't know what her financial, they were living together in California. It wasn't until they got married when all of a sudden then they started to really look at stuff. And my brother was like, wait a minute, how much debt do you have? Like, this is what's going on. And I remember thinking to myself then, like, do you married somebody without knowing that? Right. But I don't think that that's all that uncommon. I really don't. I think people do that all the time. I mean, I think there needs to be a separation of finances. Like, I'm always going to have a separate checking account that my girlfriend. Yeah, and, I, you I know, like that. Yeah. I, I, I do. But at the same time, you have to be upfront and honest with each you other. Do? Like, you can't you can't do things in the secrecy of like, oh well, if he doesn't know about this, and then wonder why. Like, why do you have a problem with it? Well, it's like because you didn't tell me about it. They say when when all the cards are on the table, you're ready to move in. Meaning, uh, if you're suspicious of your partner's motives for wanting to move in together, that's a huge red flag. Like, if they seem too dependent or anxious about the relationship or seem happy that you won't be going out as much with your friends because you're moving in together, that that's about control, not about furthering your relationship. And that is true. There, there's a lot of that. I always tell guys this, and I, and this applies for women too. But I just talk to more men in my pri- in my personal life that I see people do this in relationships all the time, and it's a huge mistake. And uh, my buddy Sean was a great example of this. Is you meet a girl and she's great, like you love her, like she, it's just dude, being with her is like the best, right? And that's how everybody feels about everybody when you first meet them. And what you do then is that you spend every waking second that you don't have to be at work with her, you're blowing off your friends, you're blowing off this stuff, and now you're with her every day. And then what happens is, is that you go into this relationship and you have established behavior for this person, the, the, the opposite sex. This could be true if you're a woman dating a man, man dating a woman, does not matter. But what you are doing there is you are establishing your behavior, basically saying, this is who I am as a person when I'm dating, meaning I want all of my time to be spent with you. And then six, seven, eight months down the road, all of a sudden now you want to go play golf on Saturday afternoon with your buddies, which is something you don't normally do. And now she's like, well, why is he doing this? Right. So what, what my point is when you meet somebody, you got to fight off that. I just want to be with them every minute. You got to take time because a, it's an unhealthy thing about you that makes you feel that way about other people. That's what a, my therapist would tell you. And also it's just, it's about one of those things where you have to then set up the relationship you're going to want, not today, but the relationship you're going to want a year and a half from now, meaning, dude, you're going to want to be able to take Saturday and go do some things with your friends. You're going to want to be able to go to Kohl's with the girls. You're going to want to be able to do this stuff and not have it come out of nowhere as like, why is this behavior changing? I see that all the time. And they say, here's the big one. And this is obviously, this is was broad stroked. But when you're on the same page about where your future is going, now it's time to move in together. They say the best time for a couple to move in together is when they have established that the long-term goal of their relationship is X, whatever that should be for both of you. But as long as it's the same and you're viewing both your future and how you will get to your future in the same way, meaning goals, values, and intentions, if those things are in line, it's probably ready to call Beacons, get that house packed up, and move in together. Your shot at Manson Zombie Tickets is right now. We'll take caller 17, 1-800-243-7625 on those. Be back and close out the program next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. I have got to get in on this. Rock 106. 
Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We're also online, WRQK.com. We have those Honor Fighting Championship tickets. Give me a few minutes. We'll pass those out. Teresa will get you hooked up with another $1,000. That's 10-10 this one. She'll do that. Looking ahead at tomorrow. New Turd Tuesday, 9 o'clock. Brought to you by the Hard Rock Roxino there. You're getting new G-E-Z featuring Charlie Puth. That song's called Sober. We also have New Willie Nelson. Me to You is the name of that. And I was made hip to a band by a member of the audience. His name's Dwayne. And uh, he hit me up. He was like, dude, you need to check out this band, Cobra and the Lotus. They're very, very good. And I had heard of them, heard, maybe heard one or two songs, but I didn't really dive all the way in. And so I checked them out um, the other day when I was at the gym, and I ended up staying at the gym longer than I normally do. I listened to both their debut 2010 record and then this last record that they put out this last year in, its, in, in their entirety, both of them, like, you know, cover to cover. And they were both really good. So I picked a song called Trigger Pulse off of their latest record, which I believe is called Prevail. And we'll play you that for New Tour Tuesday tomorrow. If you're in a band would like to be featured on New Tour Tuesday, send me your stuff. Stansbury at WRQK.com is how you can get that on the radio. You can ask bands like uh, White Buffalo Woman. I know the Monet Brothers have been on a couple of times. And from what we hear, if you're on New Tour Tuesday, your Facebook pages and uh, Twitter pages end up blowing up. People then uh, try to track down your music. I'm hearing, Phantom, that we are in for one hell of an afternoon. From, okay. what I, from what I'm understanding, it is going to be 51 degrees at 1 p.m. this afternoon. That's nice. And no rain. So I will skip the gym today, and I will be out on the golf course today. I can feel myself ready to golf. Uh, dude, it's the end of March. Hopefully the, the saying of in like a lion and out like a lamb is true, and like we've got winter behind us. I mean, I know I felt that way like two weeks ago, and then we got punched in the mouth again. Yeah. But yeah, fingers crossed we got nothing but nice. So I'm looking at the iPhone, like, you know, seven, eight day, uh, you know, forecast. Not that you can like trust this thing to be 100% right. Our temperatures will be fine the rest of the week, although they are saying you're getting some rain, and they have um, a week from tomorrow listed at 42 degrees and snow, which would suck. But we've seen snow on opening day for the Indians how many times? I mean, how many times have we seen that? So I don't know if we're if we're totally done, but I know it's going to be pretty nice temperature-wise over the next few days. And like I said, 51 sun today. So I'm going to have to leave the jib alone. We're going to go, head back out for the golf course. We do have, however, these... Honor Fighting Championship tickets for this uh, MMA event that will take place in Akron this Saturday. It is uh, at the Chaparral's Event Center, and we will get you hooked up here right now. We'll take caller 15, 1-800-243-7625 on those. Teresa will then get you guys hooked up with $1,000 at 1010. Aside from that, we're done. Be back at it live tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. on Rock 106.9. You guys have a great afternoon. See you.